Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. So you're thinking about becoming a podcaster. Three years ago, so did I. And here I am with 130 or so episodes under my belt and on a variety of platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Music, pretty much anywhere you can listen to a podcast, my show is there. So it sounds easy. Get a mic, get a headset, get some software, bada bing, bada boom, you're a podcaster. Well, not so quick. As of February this year, 2021, there are over 1.7 million podcasts and 43 million episodes. That's up from 500,000 active podcasts that were only just two years ago. So 500,000 to 1.7 million. But like sports, there are a few shows that reach the top for those athletes to be successful. And it takes time to really get there. It's tenacity. It's about having great content. And it's about commitment to really making it work. So today on my show, I have Jeremy Slate, founder and CEO of Create Your Own Podcast Life and Command Your Brand to help navigate building your network and business through podcasting. So don't go away. We'll be right back. It's time for my commercial break. My company, The Ponzi Group, provides consulting, interim, and fractional marketing and leadership services with a focus on the strategic and analytical side of marketing. We take a holistic approach to driving business growth. Consider us your marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, the competition, and the marketplace to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. And, much like a general contractor, we partner with internal teams or carefully selected vetted individuals and organizations to execute the strategies and plans, as well as provide oversight and management to ensure we stay on brand and plan. To learn more about our services, visit theponzigroup.com. As I mentioned, I have Jeremy Slate, founder and CEO of Create Your Own Podcast Life and Command Your Brand to help us navigate building your network and business through podcasting and what it's like to become a podcaster. Jeremy, welcome. Hey, Angelo. I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you, man. Uh, yeah, I, I'm happy we connected. Uh, I think your uh, maybe your publicist was chasing me for, for a little bit, and I'm glad she did. Um, I, I need a publicist. I used to have someone who helped me do a lot of this in the beginning, but you know, when I left the studio, I used to record in the studio and then, you know, doing the home thing, it, it sure. doesn't really make sense for me at this point in time, but, uh, it definitely is, as you know, organizing the podcast and producing them and editing them and publishing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a job. Oh my not gosh, a big, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so anyway, uh, but I appreciate that she did. So why don't you give me a little background sure. on you and, and you're obviously you have a podcast, but you also have a, a, a business. We're going to talk about a lot of that today. But why don't we start off by, you know, framing who you are so the audience has a reference point. So um, 
you know, how I ended up here is kind of weird. So my, my background is I have my master's in early Roman Empire propaganda, not a very like applicable skill in the world of getting a job. Sorry, sorry for laughing. <laughs> and I, I get that reaction every time because they're like, what were you thinking? I was like, well, I wanted to be gainfully unemployed when I got out of school. Um, so that, that, that's, <laughs> um, so, so that's the, the weird part about it is I've always been like a history nerd. I've always been interested in like how things work, how things function. And the, the, the part about that that's kind of cool, that's something that still like really assists me to today. It, it really assists me in how I do interviews and things like that. And I had been teaching high school for a couple of years in uh, 2012. And my mom ended up having a really bad stroke and it made me kind of look for something more. So I started several different businesses, all of which flopped. And uh, it took me about a year to start a podcast, which is now called Create Your Own Life, where I interview incredible world-class performers. And a lot of people started reaching out to me saying, hey, like, can you do this for me? So the first version of what we did was called Slate Media Productions. And we did like a done-for-you podcast business where we booked your guests, we set up your social media, we um, did your website, we did literally everything. It was a little crazy. And we found that... Um, our clients really liked the 20% of what we did, which is when we launched their show, we put them on podcasts. So uh, my co-founder at that time, who is my wife, had been in PR for about 10 years. I had the podcasting and direct response marketing background. And we really focused on getting our clients on the right podcast, telling a story the right way, and also teaching content repurposing. I think that's vital. Like Not thinking just being on that show is the, is the end-all be-all, but also what you do with it. And that was back in 2016. And you know, to this day, we've been running Command Your Brand. Okay. You know, you said something very interesting and I, and I do want to point this out to the audience. It's about content repurposing. Yeah. You know, so many times I hear from my clients like, well, we ran that blog. Now what? It was like, no, we can, we can recycle <laughs> that. We can cut it down. We can do snippets. And, and so, and I said, you know, as we build inventory, I always talk about my clients, let's build an inventory. Mm -hmm. so you never worry about where the next post or content or blog is going to come from. And then we'll just start recycling as we add new stuff. And I said, you know, if you've got a thousand, ten thousand, you know, followers on LinkedIn, for example, the chances of everybody seeing that content yeah. at nine o'clock in the morning on a Monday is pretty <laughs> slim. So we can repurpose and do that. And and so I think that really helps. And it's a great conversation. And I know with podcasting, there's been a lot of tools that come up. I mean, I'm using uh, a headliner and doing snippets and, mm -hmm. and getting out there and trying to, again, take an hour show or 45 minute show and get little pieces of it to help repurpose that content. It's interesting because I find that like there, there's two different things kind of going on here. The for one being a lot of people take PR and marketing, they kind of lump them into the same bucket. And though they help each other, they're not actually the same thing, right? Like PR creates trust. It creates the pieces that you're then going to market. So that's kind of one part of it. But there's also how people approach media. Like if they're in a Forbes article, or they're on a podcast or whatever it may be, they think that that piece is going to be the be all end all, right? Like they wait for it to happen. They wait for their leads to roll in. They wait for their business to increase. And in actuality, it's you've created these pieces. Now you're going to use them to create trust and use them to market to your own audience and, and create attention and things like that. And when you do it that way, you're, you're really being somebody that is being proactive rather than reactive, right? You, rather than just kind of waiting for things to happen to you. Yeah, it's about integration. I, I yeah. it's been that's kind of been one of my, one of my mantras over the years. There's no silver bullet. It's about <laughs> people integration. People want there to be. They absolutely want there to be. Oh, they want to be. I, I've written blogs and I've said, said this in my podcast before. There's only two reasons when there's silver bullets: werewolves, and you want to pretend you're the Lone Ranger. Other than that, it doesn't work in marketing. And and I really think that I, I hear this all the time. So I've got to be on Facebook. Got to be on Facebook. Why? Who's yeah. your audience? Mm -hmm. Is your audience there? Just because 
Tom, Dick and Harry are on Facebook or you like to go on and do what you do doesn't mean it's a good vehicle for marketing. It gets back to understanding who your audience is, how they consume information. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to say, you know, and I know, you know, podcasting is one of the very few forms these days where it's actually getting longer, where everything else is getting shorter yep. as far as, you know, tweets and posts and, you know, mini blogs and blah, 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 you know, short videos. Well, podcasting, we can have, frankly, a longer show. So there's a lot more content and things we can do. So I, I think, but if your audience doesn't listen to podcasts, is where I was going with this, then, you know, podcasting isn't a good or videos. Mm-hmm. You know, I, some of the customers I deal with, some of their audiences are, well, I'll say IT engineers, older folks, and they want, they want case studies, you know, that they can download and, mm-hmm. and PDFs. Well, if I'm throwing videos at them, they're not going to listen. They want, they want something tangible. So it gets back to understanding your audience and as we do in, in, in our podcast, making sure that, you know, we're staying true to our concept, which is mine is about business and business advice, which is my next question. When you've been growing your business mm-hmm. and actually even growing your podcast, we're going to talk a lot about podcasting today. What keeps you up at night? Wow. What keeps me up at night? Well, I think I think one part of it is you and it's funny because I just interviewed a guy about uh, the early NFL and like why it did so well, because the owners focused on making it a better product and not really worrying about making money right away. And, and for me, like I'm maniacal, man. I'm always trying to worry about like, how can I make this process better? How can I serve the customer better? Even when it looks perfect on the surface, I'm always trying to see how I can make things better. And I guess it's a little bit of the perfectionist in me, but that's Honestly, what keeps me up at night is how can I do a better job than I'm currently doing and how can I service more people than I'm currently doing and how can I do it faster? Because I think a lot of times, you know, it's it's when you bring speed to the game, it's what is what really changes the game. It's the people that focus so much on, you know, like this has to be right and this has to be perfect. And that's where it's kind of weird because those two balances, those two parts of me don't really get along. I'm kind of like, you know, uh, you know, Two-Face and Batman here. One, one side wants things perfect. The other side wants it fast. But really, that's what keeps me up at night, man. We want to grow faster. But at the same time, I want to make sure I'm doing the best job for for clientele. Sure, sure. What What do you think is, what is the best business advice you've ever received? And then also given if it's different. For me, it's honestly that it's, it's I read a book called The 10X Rule and Grant Cardone talks about the idea that it's going to be 10 times the amount of effort, sometimes even 100 times the amount of effort that you think it's going to take in order to get something done. So that's been the best piece of business advice I've brought to every single thing I've done. Like I've done 10 times more. I've done 100 times more. I've done as many times more than what I think it'll take. And the crazy thing about it is sometimes you'll take that action and you'll find out that even makes you come short. So really, it's about taking the most amount of action you can take to make things get to get things done. And I find that being the same piece of advice I often give to other people, because I find especially for new salespeople, the the, the estimation of effort of what it's going to take to get a sale or to get a close is so low. Right. Because they talk to one person and they get discouraged and you've got to realize like, hey, you know, and that's something I got from from selling life insurance. Like I was willing to make 100 phone calls a day, 200 phone calls a day because I knew that's what it was going to take to get it. But when you don't have that idea it's it's really hard and really discouraging right away. Right. There's a, a chart that I use in some of my presentations, and it's probably a few years old now, but it's about prospecting and how many touches it takes to actually turn. And, it's, you know, the, the number's 12, 13. And I remember uh, in, in my, I'll call my younger years, it, if you didn't respond to me by four, it was a screw you, I was done. And, and then I... <laughs> 
And when I when I saw that chart, it was like, holy crap, how many pieces of business did I lose because I bailed too early? Yep. And I mean, it 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 it, it I think at the number at four was like 80 percent of the people are already bowing, you know, so your competition is getting slimmer because everybody else is, is getting out. And I think there's especially in prospecting a new business. I mean, you've got to have a thick skin and you got to understand it's not personal and all those kinds of things. But you have to be as tenacious as I'll get up. Well, and it's when you say that, too, there's 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 a client now that's one of our best clients has been with us for two, almost three years, I think, at this point. And I, I think of she was on our email list for three years before anybody had even spoken to her. And and I think that's what you have to be willing to put in the time, put in the effort and realize how much communication somebody needs because they're all in different places, right? Like your, yep. your perfect prospect may not even know they need what you sell yet. Or they may not be in a place in your business to buy it yet. So like just understanding you got to keep showing up is vital. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, you mentioned, I think it was 2016, you said you started your your podcast. And and, and I don't think you said this, and if you did, then, then I wasn't listening. <laughs> but why did you start podcasting? So I, I started uh, our company in 2016. I started the podcast in 2015. And, and actually, that was the second version of the podcast. The first version I started in 2014. And because I had failed at network marketing, I had failed at selling life insurance, I had failed at selling products on Amazon, like buying them from China and selling them on Amazon. And uh, I was kind of like, well, what else am I going to do? So I had taught myself how to build websites from watching YouTube videos. And I was working at a friend's web design firm. So like my day-to-day -day bills were covered, like it wasn't a big deal. And I needed something though. I needed like an ability to create, an ability to get out there, an ability to reach. So I'd been listening to podcasts since about 2009. I had a college professor that had introduced me to a podcast called The No Agenda Show, where they basically just made fun of the news. And I still listen to it. Actually, that's what I was listening to right before you and I got started here. Um, so I've been a huge fan of podcasts. And I always had told myself, like, hey, I can do this. So in 2014, after all these things not going right, I just started to start a podcast called Rock Your Life. And it was horrible, man. Like, because I was, it was like life coachy, because, which I am not. I'm the furthest thing from. So it just wasn't very good. And I had about maybe 150 downloads and about 90 days of doing the show. So I quit doing it. And it wasn't until 2015, November of that year, actually, that I took this more seriously and was like, you know, how can I make a really big impact and how can I approach this? But it was because I had somebody been somebody that loved it, had failed at a bunch of things, and I, I just kind of needed a creative outlet, honestly. And that, that's that's kind of where it came from. Okay. You know, it's interesting um, when you said the first one didn't really work. And it's one of the things that I saw in, in some of the stats, and I'm going to talk about some of those in a minute. Yeah is how many people have jumped in because they think it's a great idea. They do mm -hmm. two or three, or they do three in six months, and they don't get any traction, and then they bail. And I think there's a lot of folks that think it's just easy to just hop on and start talking. And, and I'll speak from a guest standpoint. I mean, I've had some guests where you're going, oh, my God, this is going to be a, a really interesting conversation because they're reading notes. There's not fluid. They're not comfortable. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, I... I I literally had somebody the other day say, hey, can you teach me how to be a podcaster? And, and I, so I said, let's get on. Let's talk. And, and I was like, man, it was whatever you were interviewing, no offense to the person that did it, but it was boring as hell. And, <laughs> and so there is a lot of dynamic to it, right? It, yeah. It's about having a conversation. It's about being, I was listening to uh, Kevin Hart yesterday and his podcast and he was, and they were talking about, he had uh, Jerry Steinfeld on and they were talking about being able to go down I think he said different roads or different paths or something like that. But you have to be able to chase the conversation and not stick to a script 
to make it so rigid that it becomes not interesting. So what has been the biggest challenge for you in growing in growing your podcast? Well, number one, I just want to hit on what you just said, because it kind of flows right into this. And that's learning to be a better interviewer. So for me, like I've always researched people that were really, really good at it. Like I've learned a lot from how Larry King interviews. He's he's a, he's been an incredible interviewer. Um, I've learned a lot from listening to Paul Harvey over the years. I've learned a lot from reading, you know, listening to old tapes of Walter Cronkite. So for me, I've listened to people that are and you know, the one that's a surprisingly great interviewer is Oprah. Like listening to a lot of these people and how they ask questions has taught me a lot about incredible conversations. And really, in my mind, that's what a great podcast is. It's having great conversations and, and really, you know, making a big impact and realizing it's going to take you a lot of conversations to get good at it. Like it took me 200 conversations to feel like I was even decent at this, right? Like it took me a really long time and now we're over 825 episodes at this point. So I've, I've gotten a lot of practice in. So that's kind of one part of it is really having a great show that people are interested in. And, and I think that's kind of the first step to, to really growing is what makes you different? What makes you interesting? How are you perfecting your craft? Because you want this to be something people want. And once you have that idea, once you have differentiated, then you can kind of start putting it out there and talking to the right people and getting out in the right places. And this goes back to what you said earlier about realizing where your audience is, right? Like I'm not on Snapchat because personally, I think it's dumb. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, I haven't figured, I, I haven't been on what, what is that other one where people sing music, TikTok. I, I'm not TikTok, on TikTok. Yeah. I think it's dumb. Um, I've been a little bit on clubhouse, but I just, I don't have a ton of time. So like you find out where your audience is and you really talk to them there with, you know, the content that they're telling you they like, right. By what they create and what you, that what, what you create and what they listen to is a survey point. So you create more of that and you get it out on those right platforms. You don't have to be everywhere. You know what I mean? Like I think people think you need to be on every single platform and that's just crazy. Yeah. And, and as we talked earlier, it's a lot of effort to to nurture all of those. And I always tell my clients when it even comes to their social programs, it's, it's look at you're on five or six different platforms. I went to them. You, number one, you haven't posted in six months on this one and <laughs> two years on that one. So you're not really on them. Let's get yeah. rid of them. Let's only focus on a few. And I think that that's the same for, for you know, getting your podcast out there. And it's a challenge. It takes time. I mean, you oh, got 800, 800 podcasts, 2015. I started mine. I mean, my, just started my third year. So you are number 132. Wanted to let you know that. Woo! And uh but it, but it, it's a lot of work. I do it once a week, and um, and it takes time. It takes time to grow an audience. It takes time to get people to understand and to listen. And and I know when I get people engaged, they stick around, and, and it's fun. And and I have fun, and hopefully you're having fun, and people that listen have fun. Yeah. Right. Now, there there's certain tools is we're talking about kind of continuing this conversation. I mean, you've got some PR work going on, but what if, you know, for pod, people out there thinking about podcasting, hopefully we're not scaring you away, but you know, <laughs> just, just don't go buy a microphone and uh, a headset and get some software and think you're going to be a podcaster. Or you could be like me the first time, man, just talk at your MacBook without a microphone and then hope people can actually understand what you're saying. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. So my very first, so I'm doing, I'm doing it in a studio normally because I really like that dynamic of having people in the room. But my very first remote was with a gentleman in New York, and I so I said, hey, yeah, I'm not going to come in the studio. I'm just going to do it from from home. So we did Zoom, and we we had the conversation, 
sounded okay. But what was happening is I had him on my big screen, but I didn't know. So I didn't change my microphone. So I was actually using the microphone on my closed computer, the camera, but he had dialed in. Oh no. And so every time when I got the video back, every time he spoke, it went to a phone number. I was completely muffled. <laughs> and, it, and and to this day, it was my first remote and my worst remote. Mm-hmm. I actually felt so bad um, uh, once, I, once I got better at editing and stuff. I actually went back, pulled it out of the archives and re-edited my entire side of it. Yeah. And got rid of the video, but just did audio. And um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a learning experience. But but, from but you got to kind of try some things too to know that. Like if you didn't oh. try that first video interview, you you couldn't be doing what you're doing now. Like like for for me now, like for the last six months, I've been using like a, a DSLR camera for our video. So like the hardest thing is, you know, I have a camera up here, but I got to make sure I'm actually looking in the lens so that you see my right. eyes and it's not weird. So like, but if you don't try these things, you can never upstep what you're doing. You know what I mean? It's just like with you using Zoom. Yeah, well, you know, and that's frankly the hardest. So I normally I've got I've got a remote camera. Mm-hmm. And it's usually sitting on top of my screen, which means I'm doing this. <laughs> and so I'm actually now started doing it on my laptop. So I'm, my camera's right in front of me trying to get that eye contact because, you know, you've seen if you've been on Zoom meetings, people are talking to you, but they're looking over here and it's all, you know, wonky. And especially <laughs> when, when you're using video uh, on your podcast, you want to at least be looking at people. Yeah. And the cool thing when I was in the studio, we had two cameras that were crossed so we could kind of get people going. And anyway, long story short, but from a, from a marketing standpoint to really push your podcast, what, what kind of platforms or tools or strategies have you used and what have been successful for you and what's not? So uh, we've been concentrating a lot on LinkedIn really. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly uh, curious if that's something you've been doing as well, because I've been following a guy for a long, long time named Josh Fector and he done some really, really great things on LinkedIn. And he kind of pushed it a little bit too far. So he's like kind of banned from the platform now at this point. But one of the things that I had really taken from him was writing long form written content on LinkedIn, because they give you about 1300 characters. And what I find is you tell a story through that and you skip lines in between, because it's mobile friendly, meaning it can be read easier on your mobile device. And I tell some really incredible stories because you get three lines before that button that says see more. So you really have to get something really good in those first three lines. So like an example of that was I had a guy on one time that won a gold medal in the Olympics. So I gave a stat of the number of people that would actually ever make it to the Olympics, like the average person, then the number that would ever win a medal, then the number that won a grand, a gold medal. People are kind of like, wow, that's incredible. So like it's really kind of got you grabbed and you want to read the rest of the story. And then people are actually interested to check out the podcast episodes. So that's one part of it. The other thing that we've concentrated on as well is I do a lot of like viral style videos. We have a template that we use in Adobe Audition that puts on it like the, uh, you know, like kind of the headline on top and things like that. And then we run it through Headliner to put the large captions on it. And we do like, I think like, we do them like larger. So it's like um, the font size, like 30, because you want to have it like nice up and big in front of somebody's face. So we do those as well. And those do really, really well on Instagram stories uh, and also on Instagram posts, as well as Twitter. I'm very, very active on Twitter. Uh, so things do really well over there as too. So that's been a lot of it, what I've been doing there. I, I honestly have seen, and, I, and you had mentioned earlier, like, hey, do you have to be on Facebook? I've seen my Facebook stuff like 
do nowhere near as well as it used to do. Um, unless I'm paying for advertising or something. I just, even on, even on my personal profile versus my fan page. So, uh, but what we concentrate on there is a lot of very visual things. And if you're going to have a link in it, it should be in the first comment rather than actually in the post because anything with a link in the post tends to drive down, the, the platform tends to drive it down because they don't want you to leave the platform. So that's really what I've been concentrating on to drive a lot of energy. And then also consistently building your email list. I have a uh, software on my website called getemails.com and it puts a piece of retargeting code in your website that they have a massive database of people that are opted into different email lists and they'll actually opt them into your list. So we've added, I think, like 3,400 people to our email list in the last year doing that as well because then you have people who can actually remarket to as well. Okay. Well, I'm going to check that one out. So, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, that's where we're here helping each other. So I, I so I do at LinkedIn, Facebook, mm-hmm. and Twitter. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I do Instagram. I, I, I can't say I've been as active as I should. And, and, and this next go, this last go around, I'm using it more. So, um, but you, so I try to use little teasers to get people into it. I'm not doing the long form. That's interesting trying to get people with some kind of, you know, provocative comment or statement to get them to want to read more. The headliner, I've been using bigger type. And again, um, and those seem to be doing really well. And so I've been using those more and more and uh, and, and just using different clips. And so uh, how long do you, like a headliner, how long do you use your clips for? 30 seconds minimum, 60 seconds maximum. The reason is I'm trying to create one clip I can use in multiple places. And for an Instagram post, you're limited to 60 seconds. Your your post can't be more than 60 seconds. So I need to be able to kind of cram all that goodness down into 60 seconds. And there's some interesting stuff you can do for that, right? So like when we're editing, we'll we'll do like the like the uh, the cut editing, right? Where it just kind of goes one to one to one. So it's like, you know, the transition isn't smooth, but it creates the effect you're trying to create. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll, what we'll also do as well, um, you can do this in Adobe Audition. You can turn the, the clip speed up just a little bit where it's like not noticeable that you sped it up, but it'll make it fit. So like you can turn up to like 103% or 104%. And that'll take off four or five seconds, but it doesn't noticeably speed up the clip. So, we're, but we're trying to do whatever we can do to keep them 60 seconds and under because of trying to use them in many places. So are you, you're using uh, Adobe Audition as opposed to- For that part, yes. For, as opposed to Audacity and those kinds of things. Yeah, well, for video especially. I'm, I'm sorry, I meant to say Adobe Premiere Pro because Audition is just the audio. Premiere Pro is where we do the video editing. And uh, you know that's that's where we're doing a lot of that. So Premiere Pro, not Audition. Audition is where we do our audio. Okay, all right. Um, now, of course, the, the for the holy grail with a lot of podcasters is is to get somebody to actually sponsor them or mm-hmm. to pay, pay them to run ads in their program. So do you have that? Or how has that kind of been nurturing along? When did that start to happen for you? And, and has it been uh, successful? And, and what kind of advice can you give to other podcasters? Give some advice to me, please. I'm, <laughs> I'm free. I get free therapy sessions, too. I had a uh, I had a lady on not too long ago was talking about, you know, stress and and dealing with stress and anxiety and all of that. Not that I have that. But at the end, I felt like I got a free therapy session after the uh, after the podcast. So but what about what about sponsors versus advertisers? Well, so so the thing that, that I take a look at first off is you need to make what you're doing look really marketable. So from day one, we've actually used a lot of affiliate offers, um, meaning that uh, there's products that I really like that will actually create advertising spots for them. So like 
And the one that we still use off and on to this day is, is audible.com's affiliate program. It's really good. And they actually pay you just to give somebody a free book, which is great. So what I'll do is I'll tell my audience typically the book I'm reading. Like, hey, guys, I just finished reading Near Dark by Brad Thor. You can get that book or, you know, so I'll, I'll tell people like what I'm reading and then I'll basically like give that book away to the audience. And then, you know, for every person that signs up, we get 15 bucks. So that's been like because the thing you have to do is you have to have those spots filled, right? Because it's much, and if they're just affiliate offers initially, that's fine. But it's much more marketable when you already have stuff there, right? If you're if you're showing somebody a show that has no sponsor spots, they kind of, um, you know, they kind of got you, if you know what I mean. Like they they've kind of got you like in a place where they're in control. So if you make it look like, hey, you got a lot going on here, and you are you know doing something with it, that's kind of the first step to being to, to making it go right. The second is um, we actually work with a company called AdvertiseCast. And they do a lot of selling uh, of advertised spots on our show, which is really good as well. And the thing I tell people as well is if you're not a really big show, like decide what the amount is that you're willing to take to, you know, because it is going to disrupt your show flow a little bit. So like you decide what is what is the amount that you're willing to take to do that. So for some people, it's 50 bucks, it's 75 bucks, whatever it may, may be for those sponsor spots. And you can do a flat fee per episode because typically out in, in the advertising world, they've tried to apply to podcasting the same thing that same thing that's applied to radio, which is the the CPM um, or cost per mill. Mill is Latin for a thousand, so it's for every thousand views you get a dollar amount. It's it's low. It's like fifteen or twenty bucks. So you'd have to have like five thousand downloads to get five times you know fifteen dollars or sixty bucks for a podcast episodes. So if you do a flat rate is what I initially did. And I said, Hey, 75 bucks is good for me. So that would be, you know, for each open roll, I do, we would do two, we would do one mid roll. So for an episode, then we were making 75, 150 plus another 75, we're making $225 for an episode. And it was paying for a lot of things early on to help us grow. Now, as you, as you grow, you may want to switch to more of a CPM model or, you know, the cost per thousand model. But for most people, you can do a really great job of doing a flat rate per episode. And that's, that's, you know, very easy to do. And in that case, too, whether you want to work with a company like we do, like AdvertiseCast, or, you know, make a list of the products that you really, really like and reach out to them, too. Because advertising on a podcast is a little bit different, right? It's more like a testimonial. So you want to actually be promoting things that you like and support. So for me, like we've promoted our payroll company. We've promoted different things that we work for that we really, really like. And I, I think it really shows the integrity to your audience of what you're promoting. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I so I've been approached a few times and, um, you know, and it was more of the CPM model as, as I was yeah. growing and it, you know, it just didn't really make any sense as, as, as an advertiser um, come from the advertising world. So I've been, I've been actually currently putting together a package program to your point, fee based yeah. uh, for X, they're going to get, you know, a spot for two X, they're going to get two spots you know, uh, comments on my LinkedIn, you know, those kinds of things to build it up to something. But um, what I started doing about maybe six months ago, I started running my own commercials mm -hmm. in, in my podcast. So I usually do one up uh, just before the guest comes on. I do the intro, I do a commercial, and then we start the podcast. And and this way I can get to tell my story and, and get people to want to check out things more. That's a great idea too, because that's another one of those things like having those spots filled, like promote your own company. Like it's a, it's a really good idea to do that because you want to have all those spots filled because it's easier to sell inventory when the inventory is sold. You know what I mean? Other than like, Hey, I could put you here, but there's actually nothing there. So people can kind of get that idea. And there's also creates this idea of scarcity. So I, I think that's really, really important to take a look at. 
Have you found in the, and, and you mentioned it, you know, when you, when you stop in the middle of your, your podcast to run a commercial, I mean, it does break up the flow. I know when I first started thinking about podcasting, I was guesting on a, a friend's podcast and he'd stop in the middle to run a little commercial break. And then, but the second half was always kind of took us a while to get back going again. And so he stopped because he felt it was disrupting the flow. And that, so that's why I've never thought about sticking something in the middle just because. Well, it's also how you approach it too. Like we do mid rolls, but we, all of our ads are pre-recorded and inserted after. So what you, what it allows you to do is it may not always be like the exact middle, but it's in a place where it makes sense where the conversation changes just enough too. So I think that's a really like great editing standpoint. Like it, it definitely would break up a conversation if you just insert it right in the interview. Like we pre-record, we find a spot where it works. Sometimes it's, you know, a third of the way in, sometimes it's two thirds of the way in, sometimes it's exactly halfway, but wherever it fits where the conversation changes enough that you can drop an ad in and it doesn't feel disruptive. Okay, cool, cool. Now, it is you, and I'm just going to say, you have noticed, and I certainly have, that all of a sudden there's been more companies uh, trying to get people on podcasts. So I'm inundated every day with, I mean, I'm not kidding, 10, 15 solicitations. Sure. Then there's also the the new charting organizations, so Chartable and Podchaser and all these different trying to, you know, tell you how you're doing, but if you spend more money, we'll actually tell you how you're doing as opposed to, <laughs> hey, hey, I'm number, I'm number, you know, and this is true. I, I, I'm consistently. I'm number one in Zimbabwe, man. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, for some reason, I rate really high in South Africa and Sweden. I cannot figure out why. Um, hey, I know I'd, I like, did... I'd like to be popular in Sweden, man. That sounds fun to me. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's funny. Um, and it, but I was kind of doing okay there. And I interviewed a, a, a longtime friend of mine. He, I used to work in the a lot in the skateboarding and action sports industry. And so he was one of my clients and and we've always stayed in touch. So I interviewed him on the show because now he's a he's a VC. And he told me the story. He was a he came from Sweden as a I don't think he was 16 or 17 or 18. And he started skateboarding freestyle in Venice Beach. And they put the hat out and they'd make you know money and one day, some lady basically said, here's my card. Call me. I'm casting. I need a skateboarder. Um, and so he did. He won the job. And he is, the, he is, he is the stunt double for Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future. Oh, wow. And, and I've known this guy 15, 16 years, but I had never heard that story. So, man, I was like, talk about going with the flow. It's like, hold time out. We got to, I got to talk about this. Right? <laughs> um, that, that feels like a Paul Harvey story, by the way, like you uh, get to the end and he'd be like, and now the rest of the story, that was Tony Hawk. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it, when I look at the stats and, and where the number of podcasts, I mean, the, the latest number I saw was something like, um, Boy, what, 2.1 million podcasts or some number like that. And I know it, it varies depending on which organization you're looking at. Yeah. But but it's broken down into categories. So I'm in the category of business, and I'm assuming you're in that category. But I'm actually in education, by the way. We see ourselves as like more like uh, personal improvement and empowerment, I guess, is, is, is the way to look at it. All right. I got to check that one out. But, for example, religion and, and society – is the top culture is is religion is number one society and culture is number two and business is number three 
But, you know, there's about 2 million podcasts. In the business side, half of them don't even are not even categorized. They're just mm -hmm. there. And then and then the marketing uh, falls at marketing is one hundred and fifteen thousand podcast, one hundred ninety two thousand in entrepreneurial ship and eighty eight thousand in management. So it's it's interesting when I start to see, you know, notices like you were number two hundred and twenty in marketing or in in business management. I'm thinking to myself, are they really narrowing these things down? So what's your thoughts on how you categorize yourself um, in your podcast and the best way to do that to, to frankly reach the broadest audience and and find the most interest? Well, so also like it also depends on like who you host with and a lot of hosting companies let you choose like three different categories or subcategories, which you can do as well. So like like we have two that we really focus on, like the first being um, education and I think it's like self-improvement under that. And then we also look at uh, business and we're also in business entrepreneurship is, is where we're at. So like there are, those are our two kind of subcategories we're looking at. Honestly, if you want my viewpoint on it, um, find the smallest niche within the within the niche. You know what I mean? Like find the smallest subcategory within the category and go for that. Reason being is you're going to have a better shot at getting on a chart. And the reason you're going for charts is like, at least I know for myself, like when I'm looking for a new show, I look for other shows that are popular. So like you want to give yourself more of a chance of getting seen and getting visibility and that's free visibility. And also at the same time, it's knowing what causes that change, right? Like what causes that ranking? And a lot of people don't quite know that. It's actually the number of new subscribers in a 24 hour period and ratio to your current total subscribers. So if you have a big daily jump, you can actually climb into a chart, um, you know, if it's high enough in, in ratio to the others. And then it's it's kind of like a sliding scale. So that's the first thing. The second thing you look at is, is number of uh, downloads. And then the third thing is number of views. So like if you can kind of push up really just subscribers, just get your audience to subscribe to your show and you get a good bump, you can get seen. Getting seen gets you more eyeballs, which means you get more downloads and listens and things like that. So that's really what I'm telling people is look for the least competitive category within your category and go for that because you, you just want to go for the the better chance of getting eyeballs and getting seen or you know you know earballs in some case if they're not doing video but you want to really give yourself a chance to get seen and climb a chart and, and and just get more visibility because there's free visibility out there if you're willing to get it and find it um but you know don't go where there's a lot of competition go where there's less okay that's good advice good advice <laughs> tell me a story tell me a story of one of your clients that uh you have either done their media for or had them, you know, got them podcasting and tell me yeah. a success story. So we had a client in the real estate space and this is my favorite story. And this was back in 2017. This is, this is kind of early in our business career. And we put him on 16 different podcasts and he was selling a $5,000 product. And he managed to number one, like create a lot of relationships with hosts because they'd get on and they'd like do some like JVs together and stuff just because they got along really well because he always showed up as super valuable. So he made some great relationships. Uh, number two, he sold $400,000 in products directly off podcasts. And then because he's like super smart and did retargeting of like all these episodes he's been on, like of retargeting ads, he did an additional, um, you know, $100,000. So he did like, you know, $500,000 off a podcast we put him on. In addition to making some really great JVs, which actually helped him, to transition to that company and build the one he's now currently building because it's making a bigger impact. So that's one of my favorite stories. We have, we have, you know, a bunch of others, like one of our clients, five X their company stock price, which was awesome. Um, but like, that's my favorite one just because it was so life changing to his business where he calls me and he's like, dude, like I had to look at our balance sheet. Cause I'm like, we need to do more of that. What were we doing? And it was working with us. 
Yeah. So, so talk about your media company a little bit. Yeah. So we, we've been talking a lot about podcasting, but you've got another side to, to what you do. So talk about your media company. So we really look at ourselves as the PR firm for the podcast space uh, at Command Your Brand. And we, we kind of have this spin on what we do. We're looking at it for like, what positioning does a client need to get? So I think a lot of times people are like, all right, I just want to get on shows, get in front of audiences and whatever it is. And it's just not the right idea. We look at positioning, right? Because you could get a guest on a show, but if the if the, the, the vibe of the client, and the vibe of the show aren't right, it's not gonna be the right fit. So we really look at the positioning, we look at you know the vibe of the client and the show, and that in itself can be a really great match because you could put two clients in the exact same show, and if they don't align the right way, it's not gonna be a great experience for the host or the client, so it doesn't really matter. So that's really the first thing we're looking at. We're also, we have a, a method that we teach called story message call to action. Your personal story, which ties to your three to five key teachable points, and then to what you actually want people to do at the end of an episode now. We talked earlier about people like seeming like they're reading notes from a podcast. Like, don't do that. But I'm talking about this in a way that like, you know, the transition of your story transformation, to what you're teaching to where you're going. And then, you know, the lenses you can tell it through, right? Because every show you go on is going to have a different lens. There could be a health and fitness lens. There could be a, you know, I started my business and I'm talking about it lens. There could be, you know, maybe I'm just in a media space lens. So you learn how to tell the story through different lenses and you don't show up as somebody that's scarce. Meaning when you show up, you'd be willing to talk about every single thing that you know under that to help somebody, not to the point of overwhelming them, because there are some people you get on there like, oh my gosh, that was so much information. I don't think I can do anything to the point you can empower somebody to actually do something. And then when they get to the end of that interview, they actually want to take action. And that's where the call to action comes in. That's something that's usually a tool, like either a PDF or or something like that, that's going to help somebody actually further that relationship and get a win with you off of the interview. So that's really what we're teaching people to do. And then we also teach them what to do with that content as well. Um, because like there's lots of people out there booking podcasts, but there's nobody thinking about positioning. There's nobody thinking about what's going to happen after. And there's nobody thinking about like, what are you going to do with this content? Because there's two parts of every media interview. There's when you're on it and what you do with it. We, we want people to be effective with their media, not effect of it. But so many people want to be effect of media. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, it's it's it, it's making sure. And, and again, I'll speak for myself. And, you know, yeah. I, I developed the concept of what I wanted to do. And and to me, it was. The business growth cafe was about you and I sitting across the table and having a cup of coffee, you know, and having a conversation. There you go. And you had your coffee See? <laughs> right at, right on cue, by the way. Um, and and trying to stick to that. And so, you know, you, when we're inundated with people trying to get on your show, you, you, you have to filter. Normally, I for a while, I'd read some input and I wouldn't have a conversation with anybody. And now I'm starting to, as I did with you, because. Yeah. I need to at least have a feel for who they are. I mean, I and and and, I, and maybe he's a listener, and I apologize if you are. But I got solicited by a gentleman who wanted to promote his wife, who had just written a book on menopause, and he thought it would be a great book and, and story to tell. And and I was like, I apologize. I'm sure it is, but. Mine's a business show, and I, I, I can't in my mind. Find, <laughs> that doesn't really find, fit here, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't find that angle. And I've had people come. I mean, I did a show on human trafficking. That's interesting, though. It was really interesting, and and there's a business aspect. But the, the hook I had was they also had a film festival that was about promoting, bringing awareness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I looked for those. I had one on, on, on uh, suicide prevention in the whole aspect of education and training. So, I, I mean, I, I find the business angles that allows me to, you know, do it with confidence and, and, and feeling good about what I'm doing. And I do a lot of solos. Do you do solo acts at all? 
So I do a solo usually once, maybe twice a month, because I do uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday I have an episode. And on Fridays, I do, I've been doing this for like four years, what I call Freestyle Friday. It's either an interview that I did elsewhere on social media. Um, I've found all these like speeches out there in history that are in public domain, because I love that kind of stuff. So it'll be one of those, or it'll be something I do as a solo episode. But it's usually once or twice a month that I'm doing those. Okay. Yeah, I've been usually about once a month, uh, and I do enjoy them. I it did takes my a lot first... of prep to do one the right way. So like, it, oh, it, you're not kidding. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not totally winging it. Yeah, um, I I did one not too long ago. I saw a movie called The Ultimate Gift, and it, and, and it had one of my favorite actors, James Gardner, in it. But you know, the movie kind of frankly was like, eh, it was so so. But at the end, when they talked about the gifts that I didn't quite get during the movie, I went, wow, this is really cool. So I got the book and and I basically scripted the whole thing out. And then I did a podcast about the 12 gifts and talked about gifts in the movie, but in the book, but also, you know, I pontificated. So those are the kinds of ones I really like. I have a lot of fun doing those. We just did one called Grateful. What are you grateful for? And I had I did it on Zoom, though, and I had all the guests lined up and they called in or joined at different times throughout the podcast. Oh, and cool. for the first time, I had a host. And so we kind of fricked and fracked back and forth. And then people would dial in. We do our, you know, what are you grateful for? And what do you think about the future? And goodbye, get off the show. And the next person came in and about eight people. And it, it turned out to as a fantastic uh, show and really, really liked it and had a lot of uh, great comments on it. And so again, trying to do something a little bit different to take you out of the norm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of experimentation and, and trying to, you know, be comfortable and have a conversation and, and being able to, you know, you, you said this way earlier on is, you know, your first one, it was like, you weren't really that good yet. You're uncomfortable. You were trying to learn how to, you know, navigate it. For me, the advantage that I had is I'd actually been on radio in college, but more mm -hmm. importantly, throughout my career, I've done over like 150 some odd focus groups. Oh, awesome. So interviewing and trying to pull information out of people. And that's what I think for me, help me, you know, be able to do this. I think I, I think I do a good job, but, um, you know, that that's what really helped me uh, to, to be able to do this. Who's been your best guest? Oh, gosh, I don't know. It's, it's I don't know. Like, I feel like that's like picking your, your best child. You know what I mean? Like you, you hopefully love them all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but in uh, private, you tell the other, you tell each one you love them more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to make the other one jealous. Um, I don't know. Like, I really enjoyed having Grant Cardone on because, like, just his work's been a huge, a huge effect on my life, like the 10x rule and things, things like that. Um, I'm a huge Yankees fan, so I got to have uh, my favorite Yankee on that retired a few years ago, Nick Swisher. That was kind of cool. Um, big college football fan, so I got to go have you know Coach Jim Tressel from Ohio State on, which was kind of cool. So, I for, for me, I I love talking to people in the athletics world and athletes because it's just a different mindset. And it's very, very applicable to a lot of things. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, for me, I, I, Grant Cardone, but definitely like some of the athletes and, and coaches and things like that I've had on. How do, you, how do you get your guests? I mean, how much outreach are you doing versus people soliciting you? So there's some like cool inflow, like meaning like we've talked to enough agencies over the years that they'll send us some of our premier, their premier guests. Like we had a woman on a couple weeks ago that survived the Oklahoma City bombing and then like lost 150 pounds and like did all this incredible stuff. Like it really changed your life. So that was that was a cool guest that came as an inbound to me. Um, but I have somebody on my team that um, part of their job 20 hours a week is be reaching out to this long spreadsheet of people that, that I want reached out to. And it's been I've been maintaining it since day one. It's got like 400 different people on it of people I want to speak to. 
So that's one part on it. And, you know, I've learned a lot of different methods around that. Like, how is the best way to approach them? How do you get in touch with PR firms? How do you find representation? How do you, if you want to contact athletes, one of the best ways is Instagram, honestly. Like, we've had a lot of success there. So it's a lot of outbound effort. There's some inbound effort based on, you know, some of the relationships we've made some with some agencies out there, because I've gotten some great guests from agencies. Um, but that's really what it's looked like for us. It's having a good outbound process, which creates a good inbound process. Okay. Yeah, I... I I have some outbound going, but I've just have been inundated with the inbound. So it's, uh, but the picking and the choosing and it's hard and targeting. It's, it, it is hard. It's because funny, you know, I've used LinkedIn in the past and I'll see somebody and I go after him. I try to get a connection and then I figure I'll go ask. So I get all these people that I go, this would be a great guest, a CEO of, you know, whatever Taco Bell. And he links in with me and I solicit him to be in the podcast and I never hear from him again. I, I had luck that's with only one person that way. Um, I, I got to talk to last year and I was really grateful for the conversation. I had former uh, four-star general and CIA director David Petraeus on the show and he and I actually connected through LinkedIn, uh, which is very incredible. But that's really the only luck I've had over there with LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I, so far I've had no luck. It, but and so I always find it interesting because it's not like, hey, let's, con-, you know, your typical, hey, I saw you on LinkedIn, let's connect, we make. No, I'm saying let's connect. I have a podcast. I want you on it. And they connect and then they don't respond after that. Oh, so bummer. Just blows my mind. Blows my mind. You know, we're probably coming down to the end here. And my last question, really, I got two, two, two last questions. But the, the second to last question is what gets you up in the morning? What inspires you to do what you do? This is going to sound crazy, but it's helping more people because I'm of the mindset that there's kind of a finite person that you as an individual can help. So if you help people that have really big impacts and they help other people, that's what it's all about. So for me, it's all about finding those people that have massive impact and, you know, them being the ones to help. And that's why our company is focused on who we focus on helping. That's why I'm focused on interviewing the people that I'm focused on interviewing. And that lights me up each and every day, man. Okay. And you said you do this three times a week? Yeah, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So how many are your shows versus you guessed? What's your strategy there? So, um, just to, every Monday and Wednesday is a guest. And then every Friday is our, what we call freestyle Friday, where it's either an interview I've done elsewhere, a content piece, or um, like a short five minute segment for myself. But I'm only doing those segments myself. Uh, like I'd said earlier, like maybe once or twice a month, because there's so many cool things out there. I, and it takes so much preparation to do a really good like solo episode. What about guesting? What you're my guest today. I'm usually on three episodes a week. Um, I don't really have bandwidth to do much more than that because like I want to show up and like really, you know, be really awesome for that show. And I feel like at a certain point, if you do too many, it becomes rote and it becomes not a great experience for either person. So I'm usually staying at about three guest appearances a week so that I can really, you know, show up, you, you know, be willing to share it and then be willing to like really show up in a great way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's good. I, I, I've been doing about one. And, you know, then I do my own show. But a lot of times because I pre-record these like this week, I, I think I'm doing four or five interviews, mm-hmm. and build up a little inventory and, and, <laughs> I, and I could take a little break. But, uh, yeah, there, that's always the a- challenge, man. I'm always happy when I'm about a month ahead. And I know over the holidays, it got a little rough and we were kind of like week to week, which isn't typical. But when you can get a month ahead, it's always a good thing. Yeah. And I used up my inventory in November and December. So I had to start uh, start the new year all over again. So, I mean, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I, I've actually learned quite a few things, and I really appreciate that because, you I mean, like I said, you've got 800 podcasts, been doing it for quite a while, and, and I'm still relatively a baby, but but 
Yeah, but you got a hundred and something episodes, man. That's a big deal. Most people don't make it past twenty. So pat yourself on the back, big time, man. Yeah, well, I've been told that, so I I, I appreciate the, uh, that that uh, that uh, accolade. So if we kind of sum it up, what are the two or three things that you think if someone is looking to get into podcasting, what are those two or three absolute tips or tricks or pieces of guided information that they need to have? I would say first off, be willing to be very different, like differentiate from the people out there before you create something like do not create the exact same show that everybody else is doing. Like you've done an incredible job with creating something different and like really having an awesome conversation here. Like so many people like do the exact same questions every time they do somebody else's show as their own show, whatever it may be. So like be different if you're willing to do if you're willing to do that. The other thing is be a guest before you're a host, because I found that one of the best things I learned about hosting was how to be a guest, because once you put yourself in the other person's shoes, you learn how to kind of run the interview better. Um, and the other thing is be willing to commit to six months to a year. Like a lot of people, like they don't put enough time into podcasting to see it work for them. But so be willing to commit to six months to a year. That's what I would say. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, th those are pieces of advice. I spent three months developing and nurturing and planning uh, my concept and how I was going to do it. I, I had guested on several shows to your point, which got me comfortable and about things I didn't like <laughs> and that I did like. And the other thing and I'm going to add is, is preparation. Yeah. And it's really kind of dovetail on what you were saying. Don't show up with the same five questions that you've asked everybody else. Oh my gosh. And, and then people, they start listening to your show. I mean, it's okay. I asked some very similar questions because I'm trying to build up some knowledge base on it, but you customize the conversation to the individual, which requires some work mm -hmm. and, and it really helps. I also, because of my, background in research and doing focus groups, I call mine a discussion guide. I don't call it a questionnaire. And and it, it is. It's back to what Jerry and uh, Kevin Hart were saying. Based on the conversation, you got to follow the conversation, find out what's interesting and what's going to be happening and, and excite your audience to want to stay tuned for 45 or 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so if you're just going, let me ask you the next question. Let me ask you the next question. Uh, it gets a little boring. No, I, I would agree with that. Like I come up with three to five points of what I want to talk about in an episode. It's also a time factor as well. Like if somebody like I've had a guest say, hey, I only have 25 minutes. So that means I do have to pre-write some questions because you want to cut out some of the discussion so you can actually get to the point you want to get to. So at the same time, it's kind of knowing like what the structure and what the time limits are as well. And, you know, kind of preparing enough, not over preparing, but also not under preparing because if you show up unprepared, it's going to be a horrible conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I know with authors, it's always tough. They say, I'll send you my book. And uh, by the way, you know, the I can't read is, the whole book, man. But, yeah. Send me the cliff nose, baby. <laughs> well, so what I like to do is I like to find like other podcasts they've been on that I really respect. And then I'll take notes on that. And I find that to be a really great way of doing it. Um, and, and, and you can kind of have a really great conversation with somebody, especially an author, um, by just kind of knowing what's in there that way. Uh, I thought that was my secret. That's what I do. <laughs> well, that teaches you a lot, too, because you learn about, like, when somebody answers, are they short? Are they long? Like, you know, do you have to steer them a lot? Because you'll see, like, a host has to steer a guest a lot. So, like, that can also teach you a lot about how you run your own interview. Well, and that's back to the personality. If, if you and I hadn't talked or some of my other guests, I wouldn't know their personality. But to your point, by listening to other podcasts, I get to hear how the, how the cadence is and what's going on. And, you know, if it's a short answer and it's done, you know, I was always taught when I was on, on the radio many years ago, it was like, there's no, there's no dead air in radio. 
So you're always, now I always think that, I think that in podcasting can't have too much dead air. Of course, I can always edit it out in dead air, right? But because we're not live per se, but it, it's important that, that it isn't so monotonous in the, in the way it runs that it doesn't mm-hmm. flow. I mean, just like you're having a, com- again, my old thing was coffee shop, having a conversation. Um, and that's how uh, I continue to run it three years later. You know, you know what's funny though, Angela. Like one of the things that I found, and this seems like a simple thing, but like you, you kind of like just make a comment on what somebody says, and then you just wait and see if they say something else. Like you just wait like a couple seconds, because a lot of times people are just uncomfortable with like, like you said earlier, that dead air. People are actually uncomfortable with that, so they'll actually try and fill the air, and you get some really interesting insight when you do that. So like, you know, like well, based on what you just said there, Angela, I learned, I learned blank, 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 and they go and just pause and they say something and, you're, and, it, and it's it ends up being worth some real gold yeah oh, cool a lot of gold in today's conversation for sure and even some diamonds i really appreciate your time this has been fun i'm and, and thank your uh, publicist for reaching out um and uh getting you on my show and i think my and i don't even think i know my audience will definitely benefit from it as i have as a fellow podcaster jeremy thank you so much Hey, thank you so much for having me, Angela. This was a lot of fun, man. Jeremy, thank you again for joining me on the show. You can find out more about Jeremy at commandyourbrand.com or jeremyryanslate.com to find out about his services and his podcast. And I hopefully you'll take a moment to uh, check that out. And again, thank you for joining me here at the Business Growth Cafe today. Here's my commercial. If your business needs a CMO or senior level marketing leadership, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, connect with me to find out more about my fractional interim or consulting marketing services. You can visit theponjagroup.com and there you can find a variety of resources, vlogs, videos, eBooks, and you can certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. And lastly, if you're a subscriber to the show, I really appreciate it. And if you're not, please sign up. And if you are a subscriber, please let others know about the show and about the great content like you heard today with Jeremy and and encourage them to sign up and listen to the show as well. You can find out more at thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or you can certainly subscribe on any podcast platform you like to listen to. And don't forget, join me next week here at the Business Growth Cafe. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.